The counterculture revolution is already here. Are they ready for it? The 50th annual Telluride Film Festival went off mostly without a hitch. It was the same beautiful town in the mountains of Colorado I'd been visiting for at least 10 years. There were movies earmarked for the Oscar race, critics and bloggers and film industry professionals scurrying from place to place. But something felt different. It wasn't just the lack of celebrities that are usually the draw for such an exclusive, expensive fest. The actor strike meant they could not show up, even if a few did sneak in for a party or two. Usually they're everywhere. Nicole Kidman getting coffee somewhere. I once rode the gondola with Jennifer Garner. It isn't even that so many of the people I used to know barely talk to me now. They used to love me. Now they hate me. They have no choice, of course. They can't be seen fraternizing with the enemy. Those who still have the courage to say hello are few and far between. No, it was something harder to define. There was a feeling that there were no good stories left to tell, because the rules had become so oppressive, and all must be in strict compliance with the way a small but powerful minority sees itself. That seemed to render the films almost unnecessary, a magic mirror of sorts to affirm what they already think. The only really good movie I saw there was Alexander Payne's The Holdovers, a holdover from a different time in Hollywood when universal stories could still be told. Every year at Barton Academy, students, faculty, and staff depart the campus for a two-week winter break. But there are always an unfortunate few who have nowhere to go for the holidays. They're known as the holdovers. Mr. Hunnam. Hello, Mary. I had you guys stuck with babysitting duty this year. How'd you manage that? You know, he used to be a student, right? Yeah, that's why he knows how to inflict maximum pain on us. I thought all the Nazis were hiding in Argentina. Stifle it, Tully. You just earned yourself a detention, sir. Being here with you is already one big detention. Son of a bitch, that's another detention. Do you think I want to be babysitting you? No, I was praying your mother would pick up the phone or your father would arrive in a helicopter or a flying saucer. My father's to take dead. You You don't tell a boy that's been left behind at Christmas that nobody wants him? What's wrong with you? There's nobody here, okay? So you stay out of my way, and I'll stay out of yours. Let me sleep. And now, most of the kids dislike you, pretty much hate you. Teachers, too. You know that, right? I find the world a bitter and complicated place, and it seems to feel the same way about me. I think you and I have this in common. I don't think I've ever had a real family Christmas like this before. Thank you, Mary. You're welcome. History is not simply the study of the past. It is an explanation of the present. See, when you say it that way and throw in some pornography, it's a lot easier to understand. <laughs> I'd like to propose a toast to my two unlikely companions. Are you trying to lift down my shirt? No. <laughs> Yes. You're gonna get me fired. This is your Rubicon. Do not cross the Rubicon. The Holdovers. The story was good enough that it didn't matter that its two lead characters were straight white men. 
It was a film about three people finding friendship through their own personal setbacks. It was extraordinary in its ordinariness. I highly recommend it. There were a few socially conscious movies that drew attention, like the film about the gay swimmer Diana Nyad, who at 64 made history by swimming from Cuba to Florida, though there is some controversy already brewing about its accuracy. And the film about the gay rights leader Bayard Rustin, which is executive produced by Barack and Michelle Obama as part of their Netflix deal. This new generation is restless and angry. The pacifist is opposed to using violence, but must be prepared to receive it. You're irrelevant. It's Friday night. I've been called worse. Your mere presence could derail the fight for racial justice in this country a good 10, 15 years. On the day that I was born black, I was also born a homosexual. Sometimes you gotta fight back to get We're to calling fight. for a peaceful march on Washington. That the Democratic Party, the Obamas especially, are fused with culture has led to stagnation, with too many rules of what can't be said or criticized. After all, how many in the royal court can make fun of the king and queen? It isn't just that so many people are tuning out of Hollywood that feels justified in judging them, in telling them what should matter, what should be funny, what should be compelling. It's that a counterculture revolution is rising to take its place out of sheer desperation. Hollywood has destroyed itself with its own mandates and imposed dogma. What they see is daring storytelling like the film Poor Things about a woman who becomes a nymphomaniac after committing suicide as a pregnant woman then being brought back to life with her own baby's brain implanted in her head, really just becomes the usual story of female empowerment and feminism. And the film Saltburn seems to mock the ruling class, but they can't really mock themselves, so the whole thing ends up being rather pointless. Imagine the stories Hollywood could tell about cancel culture or wrongly accused actors purged from the industry on false accusations. Imagine movies about forced apologies. Imagine how they could dive into the paralysis of comedy. It is absurd that everyone has to constantly watch what they say for fear of being exiled or purged from polite society. And that makes for great storytelling. Never mind the collapse of journalists in the mainstream, the abandonment of what they used to value, tracking down the story at all costs. Now they can't criticize the monarchy, so they stay silent and follow the propaganda machine. And that is why a counterculture revolution is so necessary. If they won't do the dirty job of getting the story, then we'll all find alternative sources that will. Those who dominate culture now seem to believe they are still the most interesting people in the world, with the most interesting things to say. But because they're so disconnected from the desperate cries of the working class, they can't possibly tell stories that resonate with the majority. A counterculture revolution, and maybe even a political one, is coming because the people out there will demand it. We're already seeing signs of it everywhere, but recognizing it requires stepping out of the protective bubble the left has built for itself. Do they really believe on the left that they can end the Trump movement by convicting him and throwing him in jail? Do they think that's the best approach to deal with a populist revolution culturally and politically? Do they think that censorship on sites like YouTube and GoFundMe is a way to quiet the rising discontent of the people they have abandoned? Yes, they do, because no one has told them otherwise. But you can't stop what's coming. 
I've been selling my soul, working all day, double time hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here, waste my life away, drag back home and drink my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me and people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world. Richmond north of Richmond foreshadows the coming revolution. The meteoric rise of the protest anthem didn't get there entirely on its own. The collective voices of the populist right amplified it and made it an overnight sensation. The song didn't just resonate with them, but it was a rare experience to have a song speak to their ongoing plight, that they're living in a new world with an old soul. How the left attacked Oliver Anthony tells you everything about why a counterculture revolution is so necessary right now. We forgot what it felt like to hear hard truths no one is allowed to say or sing. Richmond North of Richmond could be a song about the fires in Maui or the train derailment in East Palestine. Could be for a father whose parental rights have been terminated because he loves his daughter who now insists she's his son. It could be a song for me as I walked around Telluride as an outsider now, a stranger in a strange land. The song has now racked up 57 million views on YouTube in just a few short weeks. Says Brendan O'Neill at Spiked, quote, The thing I love most about Oliver Anthony, aside from that apocalyptic timber in his country singing, is that he's forced the elite to unmask itself. We live under elites in denial. We're not the establishment, cry the movers and the shakers of the upper middle classes. Even as they force your kids to genuflect to gender ideology, screw up economic growth with their climate change hysteria, and dictate with Caesar-like conviction what is and isn't sayable in the modern town square of social media. And yet, in their foaming response to Mr. Anthony, they've told on themselves. They've revealed that they know perfectly well who this red-bearded warbler from Farmville, Virginia, is singing about in his rebellious ballads against the man. It's them. End quote. That is the power of the counterculture on the new right. The rules are being made on the fly. A whole new vocabulary of music, film, comedy, journalism, even social media, is exploding in the only area of American life outside the grip of the authoritarian left. O'Neill closes his op-ed this way, quote, Why has Oliver Anthony hit a nerve? Put away your essays. Park your academic analysis. It's not rocket science. Working-class people are simply intrigued that there exists a cultural figure who doesn't view them as the scum of the earth. They can't believe it, and that tells us everything we need to know." End quote. That sound of freedom became a word-of-mouth sensation, meant doing major damage control on the left, not just by attacking the film as QAnon, but by spreading rumors and conspiracy theories about how it got made. They couldn't believe one managed to slip through their gatekeepers undetected. How shocking it must be that Sound of Freedom now tops Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning on the annual box office chart. For podcast listeners, the box office chart that shows Sound of Freedom with 180 million, Indiana Jones with 174, 
Mission Impossible with 169. Christianity is the counterculture. The hippies and the boomers never really thought they'd need religion. They broke free from tradition back in the 1960s out of necessity. Politically and culturally, things had to dramatically change. But after their revolution, after major cultural upheaval that changed movies, art, science, government, and music, they've arrived at full circle in 2023, having replaced their freedom with their own newfound religion, and it is just as oppressive and stagnant as the one they once escaped. They have all the money they could ever need, all of the culture and corporate power, nearly all of the administrative and security state, yay FBI, but they're missing something fundamental and it shows. That might be why so many of the voices rising on the right are also turning to God now, because religion is the counterculture in a country emptied out by wokeism, which has nothing to offer us except separating us into categories to demonize all of us based on our gender and our skin color. Here's a video of Ben Shapiro talking about Oliver Anthony on Joe Rogan talking about God. Joe Rogan, head on Oliver Anthony. He's the guy from uh, Richmond, north of Richmond, who's become sort of a national phenomenon. He, his song led off the first Republican debate. Uh, he says he's not a political figure, which is perfectly fine. I think like most Americans, he really doesn't follow politics all that closely. But uh, his generalized annoyance at an elite class that seeks to control the lives of Americans and, uh, and use its power to redistribute, as he says, from sort of the productive to the unproductive, that is inherently political, even if he doesn't wish it to be a partisan issue. Uh, well, it, it was fascinating to watch him on Rogan because as a, a sort of blue-collar dude, he was able to say some things to, to Joe that a lot of people need to hear. Now, you know, I've quoted the Bible to, to my friend Joe Rogan before. It has, I think, a different impact when it comes from Oliver Anthony. Here's Oliver Anthony on with Joe Rogan yesterday. You know, like there's, there's things it says, like, uh, and I'll be very brief with this, I promise, but like one thing, ironically, it's uh, Proverbs 4.20, which I thought you would like. <laughs> so if there's anything better. Perfect. But, Read um, it. Preach. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. But um, That's pretty profound. But the whole book of Proverbs is like that. Like it's not preachy. It's not, it's not what you think. Like it's, it's like, it's good guidance. It's like good guidance that you would want a father to give to his son. Good for Oliver Anthony. Again, this is the part of American life. And he tells his story, by the way, and his story is really fascinating because he basically says that he was, he was One of the most popular comedians on YouTube is J.P. Sears, whose own belief in God is not something he hides, but something he shares with his millions of viewers, blending it into comedy. Here is a video, coming out as Christian to your liberal parents. Dad? What is it, honey? I've got something to tell you, and I'm kind of nervous. Nervous about what? Nervous that you might not accept me anymore, or love me for who I am. Oh, sweetheart, don't be silly. Tolerance is my number one virtue signal. You can tell me anything. Okay, well, um... I've been thinking about something a lot, 
and it's really confusing and I just, I, what is mom doing? Oh, your mother's just planning for her gender reveal party. This is her 19th one. I can't wait to find out what I am. I'm always impressed by that woman's self-awareness. So dad, what I need to tell you is that I, I think that I'm a Christian. Oh, honey, don't be silly. No, you're not. Confusion you're having, it doesn't mean you're a Christian. It probably just means you're trans. Yeah, it sounds like you're not binary anymore. You'll grow out of this. You just need to have the courage to be who you really are. Take your time and think about this for a while. I'll call your mother's surgeon and make you an appointment. No, Dad, I, I know who I am. I'm a Christian. This is who I am. I, I'm certain of it. <gasps> God, Dad, you don't need to wear that. Christianity is not contagious. You're dead to me. <laughs> and let's not forget the Babylon Bee becoming one of the few subversive comedy sites, replacing what the left used to offer up, speaking truth to power using satire. And they don't hide their Christian beliefs either from the Babylon Bee. Biden approves $40 billion worth of drugs to be airdropped to Burning Man. The rise of Christianity isn't the only sign of a counterculture revolution. It's just one aspect of it. So is the MAGA movement, undeniable in its cultural and political power. So is alternative media with voices like Megyn Kelly, Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and all of the many content creators on YouTube and TikTok. What keeps it from becoming a major force to be reckoned with is that Trump continues to divide so many who don't want to be associated with the far right, even if they've abandoned the left. But what would happen if all of those disparate voices did unite? Well, that would be something. Walter Kern, talking to Matt Taibbi on America This Week, has urged all of us on the outside to unite in radical solidarity, to push back against an increasingly authoritarian ruling class that shows no signs of loosening its grip. We really have to stand together. And one thing I'm tired of personally, uh, and, and would advance as a tactic in this fight, frankly, is that we stop worrying about what others did wrong. You know, uh, Brandon Strzokhi, who was a Trump supporter, um, in every case, we can say, we can, we can specify why the, you know, why the Borg came for them. What was their slip up? What was their mistake? Um, but it, it's time people start embracing those whose sins, um, they don't understand. In other words, not just bipartisanship, but radical bipartisanship. Because because uh, if you don't if you don't stick up for the Trump support, or if you if you're the Trump supporter and you don't stick up for the gray zone, <laughs> they're going to divide and conquer all of you, all of us. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's really no time to sit and go. Well, they shouldn't have done that, or here was their mistake, or you know, that won't happen to me because I hold slightly more regime friendly opinions. Uh, that's the absolute wrong way to think. This is solidarity time for all who want to speak, act, and, you know, have a conscience free of this oppression. And to Grayson's credit, by the way, they, and I don't think they were particularly supportive of 
the Freedom Convoy in Canada, for instance. What they spoke out about the GoFundMe incident back then. I mean, Max Wilmenthal has been very consistent. Max and Aaron have been very consistent on this topic. This thing is only moving in one direction. The more they try to control speech, to silence dissent, the louder the counterculture revolution is going to get. Those who can't hear it or see it will never know what hit them. And speaking of Burning Man, it might be a metaphor for what's about to happen to the left. No matter how much they wanted things to be the same as they always were, how much they wanted to celebrate in their utopian oasis, to dance in the moonlight in the desert, they were hit with a hard rain no one saw coming. The mud was too thick. Their RVs were stuck. Thousands had to walk out to find food and water. Their illusion shattered. And so it will go with the culture at the hands of the left. They won't be able to predict what is about to hit them. That was what felt so strange wandering around the Telluride Film Festival. They were still focused on their existential angst, their own private paradise they believe is untouchable. The more people hear of these fresh new voices of truth, sanity, and reason, the less they will be able to resist them, no matter how many different ways they're punished for it. Flagstaff, Arizona, 7.16 a.m. Thank you for listening to this podcast, sashastone.substack.com. And remember, to thine own self be true.